This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. And today we are joined by special guest, Mr. Benjamin Albright. Gentlemen, how's it going? That's going pretty well. How about yourselves? I'm doing okay. We're getting an ice storm here, so praying that the, the power doesn't go out. But other than that, you know, you have to give the the weekly weather update. I've been living through this polar vortex here in the Midwest, so listeners have been depending on it. But getting excited, ready for the, uh, the offseason to get into full swing. Kind of irritated the Patriots won once again, but, you know, that's death taxes and the Patriots winning the Super Bowl. It seems like what it's turning into, so can't complain too much. I was going to say, it looked like the security guards were even bored at the, the parade. They were trying to kick field goals today, so... It's just kind of a common expectancy, but hopefully not for much more in the future. But uh, no, things are good here and very, very excited to get to talk to you here, Ben. And we want to make sure that all of our Twitter followers know to follow me at Carl Dumbler MHH and Nick at Nick Kendall MHH. And of course, Benjamin Albright at Albright NFL. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at Huddle Up Pod and make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a rating as we value your input on our show. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and even that of YouTube. Also, make sure you head over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of 24-7 Sports and the CBS Sports Digital, to find ours and our co-writers' articles and all things pertain to your Denver Broncos. This podcast is powered by Overtime Media. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like I said, we're excited to, to welcome in Benjamin Albright, truly one of my favorite follows on Twitter. Uh, you can find him again at, at Albright NFL. The man is consistently ahead of the media when breaking stories to the point he breaks the story that others forget Albright said it weeks earlier. 
And many try to take credit on you, buddy, but uh, we, we know better here. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, it's always uh, always a source of some contention. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I'd be pretty upset on some of that. But uh, I'm trying to even think. You you broke the Drew Locke to the Broncos. How long ago? We were talking about that. Uh, gosh, it was early December. That's what I thought. Um, the first I saw anybody else mention it would have been Woody Page, and that was the second week of January. So I guess about six, five, six weeks ahead of that. And I definitely remember seeing a tweet December 24th saying, Bronco fans, you guys need to get acquainted with Drew Locke. So that's one that really sticks out. I remember Christmas Eve. I'm like, okay, well, there it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's that's your early Christmas present. Yeah, we'll we'll see if (laughs) it plays out and we'll see how that turns out too. (laughs) We appreciate it. And so seriously, people, go follow this guy. You will become a smarter football fan for doing so. And like I said, you'll get information way before anybody else. So, Ben, let, let's start right there, the quarterback position. And I know everybody wants to talk about the draft, but let's talk about free agency here a little bit because there's been some, I'd say, differing opinions on whether the Broncos are going to stick with Case Keenum as their their big veteran quarterback, if they're going to try to trade him, move on to a guy like Joe Flacco. Uh, what are the odds that Case Keenum is with the Broncos in 2019? I would say very high. Um, I would suggest that Case Keenum is the plan. Um, you know, I know everybody's been talking about uh, Joe Flacco, which I would think is the backup plan, uh, Nick Foles, which is not in the cards at all, and Sean Mannion, which is so funny. I don't, I don't even know who <laughs> um, That's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard in my life. Sean Mannion was nearly cut this preseason for Luis Perez. The only reason they hung on to him was because he had a year's more experience and they could put Perez on the practice squad uh, and then bring him back this next year. So, um, you know, I, I don't understand why there's suddenly this narrative that the Broncos are going after Sean Manny and a guy that the Rams think so highly of, they don't even want him as their backup. You got to love the, the Sean McVay effect, I guess, in the NFL right now. It's, it's getting, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Ridiculous. I mean, but there's other words out there. It's just getting crazy how much anything that's connected to Sean McVay, if you've ever even whispered his name, all of a sudden you have an NFL job. Well, everybody but me, apparently. Um, Sean and I worked together for a year in Tampa, and uh, um, yeah, I, I'm still uh, I'm still waiting on my employment contract. <laughs> <laughs> well, good things will come. We just need to put that out there a little more. <laughs> Fair enough. You had mentioned Nick Foles there. I, I guess what's all going on there with him? I know there's some reports that the the Eagles were going to sign him, maybe even franchise tag him. What, what's all going on with his possible path to free agency or trade i think in the end what they're going to do is make it so that nick has to pay the two million dollar buyout to get out i think that's the way it's going to end up they're 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 experimenting with a a couple of different things um it's really more about um the the eagles trying to see what they can get in terms of compensation Uh, the problem is is that most teams aren't willing to give things up for nick Foles, and this is something i tried to caution people on last year when people talked about two first rounders for nick Foles and all this other stuff uh, is that teams are don't view nick Foles the same way fans view nick Foles. fans see a guy who you know made a couple little playoff runs and think you know think very highly of him teams don't think that highly of nick Foles. um he's not ever succeeded in the nfl outside of kind of the andy reed system in in, in philadelphia there uh he did have a season with chip kelly before everybody got tape on chip kelly where you know he kind of put up some numbers but 
you go back and look at the tape and he should have had about, you know, 15, uh, excuse me, 15 or 16 interceptions that season. He finished with two. Uh, he just was, had an incredibly lucky season with, with people dropping interceptions. So um, Nick Foles is uh, a, a pedestrian quarterback. Nick Foles was on the, the Rams. Nick Foles played so poorly. He was benched for Case Keenum who outplayed him. So, yeah. you know, to, to give you an idea of what it is that, that people are clamoring for, uh, you know, I, I would suggest that, you know, Case, Case you can win with Case Keenum. We've, we've seen a team do it. Uh, we saw the Vikings go to the, the NFC Championship with him. You just need a, a, an offensive coordinator who's willing to play to his strengths. And, you know, they, they didn't have that last year. Bill Musgrave doesn't use play action. He likes to throw uh, vertically down the seams. That's kind of been the hallmark of his offense forever. And Case, those are the wor- things he's worst at. He's, he's the number five quarterback in the NFL last year off of play action, number two over the last three years. Uh, and they just, you know, they didn't play to his strength. So I, I, Nick Foles is not in the plans for Denver, um, to make a short story long. Um, he's, he's not the guy they're looking at. They're not targeting him. If they somehow wind up with Nick Foles, um, that would mean Case Keenum got into a life-threatening car wreck and all the other quarterbacks decided to turn them down. Well, there you oh, go, yikes. Bronco fans. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, where, where do you think Nick Foles ends up? I think it's going to be Jacksonville. I know everybody's kind of connecting the dots there with John DeFilippo, but I, I just think that based on the money and based on um, you know the need and, and, and based on the relationship, and, and it's important to remember this is a relationship league. It isn't like Madden where it just looks like a good fit, so you do it. Um, it it's a relationship-based league, and I think that it, it really is going to wind up being a thing where uh, they're going to look at their options and, and find out that that's probably the best way for them to go. Yeah, very good information there. I guess then switch to another free agent quarterback and maybe the guy that other teams will look at a little bit harder. What do teams think about Teddy Bridgewater? Well, you know, there's uh, there's some interest around the league there. It's just kind of tough to gauge because people don't know, you know, is, is he going to return to form? Um, that, that game he came in wasn't all that great. Is Teddy best suited staying in New Orleans and trying to compete with Taysom Hill to be the eventual successor to Drew Brees? Uh, you know, I so you know, there's there's questions about uh, who he can become or who he is going to be once he does get a starting gig. There was some uh, some talk about possibly the Giants bringing him in as an insurance policy if they don't go the Haskins route uh, this year. Um, you know, to to push Eli and then look at you know look at quarterbacks again the following year. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a couple of options out there. I, you know, I, I think he'll wind up competing for a job somewhere, but I, I would suggest that interest around the league with him is also not as high as maybe it is with the fans. Is there any free agent quarterback that's going to hit the market that you think teams are actually going to be clamoring to get? Ryan Tannehill. I think he's going to wind up in Cincinnati, but, um, you know, if, if, and if he does, that would push Dalton out there. Dalton would be the guy uh, who I think would either wind up, it would probably wind up in Washington. Uh, Blake Bortles is going to get a little bit of interest here or there, but mainly as a number two guy. Joe Flacco is going to get a little bit of interest as well as kind of a stopgap. Ryan Tannehill is really the guy. If he could stay healthy, his numbers when he's healthy are phenomenal. It's, it's the problem is he just can't stay healthy. He's always hurt. So, you know, his medical is going to be a big thing with him and there's going to be a bigger market for Tannehill than the people think. Interesting. So if if Jacksonville signs any of these guys of Bridgewater, Foles, Tannehill, does any of those quarterbacks take them out of quarterback in the first round? Um, I yeah, I don't think Jacksonville's going to be in the market for a quarterback in the first round. I, I think they're going to continue to um, to supplement some of those defensive positions with with younger guys and get some of those high dollar contracts out of there. Uh, you know, Malik and Darius are, are eating up too much money for them. 
Um, so, I, you know, I think that they're going to look uh, interior line. I think that there's just a good draft for that. I think that's what they're going to do is try to turn that over and get younger there and get cheaper there where they can allocate money elsewhere. Okay. All right. Well, then let's turn to the draft here and, and let's look at some of these top guys here. The, the three top guys that pretty much everybody has on their boards right now, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray. And let's just start with Drew Locke because, I mean, that's obviously the big name for the Broncos. Pretty much every mock draft out there has the Broncos taking this guy, moving up possibly to get him. What do you like about his game? Well, he's, he'll remind you of Jay Cutler, but in the good way. Uh, you know, and, and when I say that name, people instantly shudder and they're like, oh, no. But, you know, it reminds you of Jay Cutler in the good way. Jay's personality turned a lot of people off. But you know, Jay was an exciting, strong arm quarterback. Drew has those things. Uh, the difference is Drew's personality is almost a polar opposite from Cutler. He's not standoffish. He's not arrogant. Um, you know, he's not aloof. Um you know, when, when we were down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl doing interviews with him, he lit the room up. I mean, like, you knew he was that guy. Like, you know, you, like, you, you walk into a room and, you know, you're looking around. You're like, who's the top dog in this room? He was that guy. And so, uh, you know, I think that he's a guy that, that does need some mechanical cleanup. Uh, the, the small hands are a little concerning, but they certainly didn't take away from any power. I mean, he threw the ball with power just fine. Um, if you go back and look at the tape, he makes too many throws off his back foot. But, but he's a guy who's got the arm to do it. And so if you can refine him a little bit, um, you know, you kind of get yourself one of these newfangled quarterbacks that, that can move around. They've got athleticism and can move around. He's got different throwing platforms and he's got the arm strength to muscle it in there. And, you know, the guy that that, that that describes or the person that I'm describing right now is kind of Pat Mahomes. And that's really the future of the point guard, excuse me, the, the quarterback position in the NFL. And it's funny that I said point guard. I know I was going to say that fits pretty well, actually. Yeah, it's it's really what it is. Like Pat Mahomes is not a quarterback; he's a point guard. He's playing basketball on grass, and you know, and that's the thing. Like I, I think that people are starting to realize that that's the evolution of offense in the NFL, and you got to find guys who can execute like that. Finding a big, tall, drop back guy is just a moot point anymore um, because defenses get there so fast. Having that wide base like that and not being able to manipulate the pocket quickly and reset and get the ball out, you know, is, is one of the more valuable traits. So uh, the quarterback position is getting smaller on purpose we saw that in the super bowl as well a guy that had struggled seemed to struggle out of structure a little bit resetting his base to make him off script plays jared goff i mean a great great quarterback but didn't show that so much in college and you know they bill belichick tip tip of the cap to him and brian flores they kept him in the pocket and they they got after him with good stunts and pressures like that but once he asked him to get a little bit off script it kind of crumbled on him Right. And that's, you know, that's the thing. You've got to be able to do both. You've got to be able to thrive in structure, but then when the play breaks down, you've got to be able to, you know, to make plays with your legs. And, um, you know, they, the Patriots did a great job. They, they did what we call the, uh, you know, isoing the defensive line. They, they made it look like they were sending five every time. So each lineman had to take one guy and then they would only bring four. And so one guy was left doing nothing and you had guys dropping back in his zones. It created confusion. It was really a great game plan. Yeah, isolating those guys one-on-ones is definitely great, and hopefully something we'll see here with Denver with uh, Fangio coming up. But yeah, Drew Locke, you're talking about a guy who can win in structure and out of structure, and his numbers when the pocket was clean and he had time, and he looked pretty good. I saw pro football focus. He had really high numbers when not pressure, but under pressure, he kind of gets a little bit chaotic. But I don't think that means that he can't play out of structure. I mean, there's some plays, you know, the senior bowl, like how much does that actually mean? But that little underhand pass on the move, you know, he's, he's doing things with his leg in the, in the the bowl game as well. He's making plays out of structure on third and long, making some NFL throws. I mean, let's be serious. Is that something that would gravitate you to lock? Or you think that the inconsistencies are so present that it's just too much of a risk? 
Well, I, I think everybody's going to have inconsistencies. I think the key is you put his 20 best throws on, on tape and you and you tan it to your quarterback coach and you say, okay, now make him do that every play. And that's why you hire a coach to begin with. And so you, you, you're asking yourself, is, you know, his, 10, his 20 best throws and his 20 worst throws, which of these is he? You know, which of these is, is, is him? And so, uh, you know, when you figure that out, he's either your guy or he's not. And so, you know, I think he's a guy that you can clean up a little bit mechanically and you can, make, you can turn him into something. I would not have him as a day one starter. And I think that the Broncos have a perfect scenario where you've got a guy like Case Keenum uh, who could step in and be the day one starter while, you know, while Drew gets ready, similar to the Alex Smith and Pat Mahomes situation. Uh, you know, he's a competent starter. Uh, you're building a young offense, a young, exciting offense around him, whether that was, you know, Tyreek Hill and Watkins and Kareem Hunt, who's gone now, obviously, Travis Kelsey, or whether that's Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick, Philip Lindsay, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You build the young offense around him, and then you plug and play that quarterback when he's ready. Because, you know, 75% of quarterbacking isn't throwing the football. It's being able to read the fields, being able to make protection calls, being able to diagnose, being able to, to understand, you know, conceptually what's going on in the play, understand conceptually what's happening in the defense and, and getting those the, the nonverbals, the communication down, all these other things. And so having a year to season yourself and be able to do those things without the pressure of having to deal with NFL defenses, I think is vital. So now the question, I guess, really should be, do you think the Denver Bronco fan base is patient enough to wait another year for a rookie quarterback to not play right away? Because that narrative of, you know, they don't get better on the bench is rampant throughout Broncos country right now. Yeah, and it's a wrong, a wrong narrative. Um, yes. You know, you look around the league right now at all the all the quarterbacks that are stars in the league. They all sat for a little while. Whether it's Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Philip Rivers, Pat Mahomes, I, you know, I can go on and on all day. The vast majority of them did sit. Um, you know, you find guys occasionally that have that star quality that you know you start day one. Whether that's you know Peyton Manning, uh, although he struggled in his first year. You know, Baker Mayfield, who, you know, helped turn the Browns around, although he sat a few games um, and he shouldn't have, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So it's difficult sometimes to, you know, to parse the difference. It, I would say that Broncos fans need to understand that, you know, the offense that they've built here actually looks like it's going to be something special. If you could give it just one more year, you've got three phenomenal receivers, I think, that are going to be great. I think Tim Patrick is going to be a stud. I think I think people are underestimating him because he's in the shadow of Cortland Sutton. Uh, yeah. Deshaun Hamilton is going to be a, a great slot receiver. He's going to remind people of uh, somewhere between Davon Bess and uh, and Jarvis Landry. You know, he just finds a soft spot in zone and makes the catch. Um, you know, once they get a, a an explosive tight end, uh, you know, to put in that package, and I don't think that's Butter Hireman. I think they're guys. I think they're guys that can make a roster, but I think they're just guys. And add that to Royce Freeman and and especially Philip Lindsay. Uh, you've got an explosive offense pre-made. Now all you need to do is get your trigger man in there, and you're good to go. And the uh... The secret ingredient, Mike Munchak. <laughs> well, I, that was the hire of the offseason, honestly. Yes. Yeah. And everybody's talking about Fangio and this, that, and the other. And I'm a little cautious about that because the track record for you know, head coaches that get their first job at 60 years old or older is actually abysmally poor. Uh, only one of them even has a winning record. That's Bruce Arians. Uh, the rest of them, uh, when you combine their records together, have a 24% winning percentage, which makes Vance Joseph look like Bill Belichick by comparison. So, you know, I'm a little cautious about that. The most comparable example we have is Dick LeBeau maybe taking over uh, up there in Cincinnati as head coach. And that's that's not really a good thing, but it looks like they've done better with the offensive coaches, um, you know, with Angarello and, uh, and Munchak especially, who I think was the, you know, was the hire of the offseason. 
Yeah, it's almost comparable to me the bringing over Bill Collar for the defensive line. I mean, just it could totally revolutionize that side of the ball. And I mean, you look, you see what Skarniecki did for Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. I mean, he's the unsung hero of their dynasty. And how good Big Ben was underneath, uh, where when Mike Munchak was the the offensive line coach there, and you know, talking about how good Drew Locke can be when he's kept clean. I think that secret ingredient, Mike Munchak. I think I agree with you. I think that's that is the get of the offseason. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. And, and, you know, Mike has a, a long history of getting the most out of offensive linemen. And so if anybody's going to turn Garrett Bowles into what they thought he could be when they drafted him, it's got to be Mike Munchak. We'll find out if, you know, Garrett Bowles takes that next step and becomes the superstar they thought he could be, or if he's going to, you know, kind of continue to bounce around the league and be known as Garrett Holds, uh, as, as coaches refer to him in the offseason. Oh, boy. <laughs> not a good name. And yeah, not quite the name we were hoping for. But uh, like I said, maybe that maybe that name could change. That's that's the great thing about the NFL is there's always next year, and we'll, we'll see if that happens. But wh- what do you think about Drew Locke's fit with Scangarello? Well, I, I you know, and in fairness, I've known Rick uh, dating back to when he was at Millsaps in Mississippi. Um, you know, I I, th- I think I think Rick is I think he's a good fit for that. Um, Rick will work with what he's given. He'll he'll take the quarterback and he'll he'll get the most out of what he can do. Um, and he's always been that guy. You know, everybody talks about Nick Mullins, but the real crowning achievement, the real pinnacle achievement of, of Scangarello's career is back when he was at UC Davis in the late '90s, um, and he he had this unknown kid named J.T. O'Sullivan. Uh, and, and who later you know, caught on for a couple of years in the league. And while he wasn't a superstar in the league, Rick turned him into something. That's, I think, the key to, uh, to what people need to do is go back and look at what O'Sullivan briefly was in the league, uh, which was quite good when he got to play. But, um, you know, I, I think that that's the thing is Rick has a history of finding, you know, finding talent, finding guys that, uh, that other people overlooked and, and squeezing the juice out of them. You know, he's get, getting, getting juice from a stone, as they call it. So I think that he's the right fit. I think he's the right hire. And I think that Locke fits in well, but more than that, I think Scangarello will do what Locke can do. That's key. Good coaches put their own players in situations that make them better. So that's, that's good to hear. Coaching Coaching is is taking a guy and and finding out what his strengths and weaknesses are and playing to his strengths. Yep. I mean, (laughs) so uh, you're not a big fan of Musgrave is what I'm taking from this. Uh, yeah, I, my mom said, uh, my mother always told me if you didn't have anything nice to say about somebody, don't say anything. So, um, I'm not even sure what name you just repeated. Let's put that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on here with other, uh, of the other draft quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins, he seems to be the, the top guy among most of media and draft media people. What are your thoughts here on Dwayne Haskins and what he could bring to the NFL? Well, you know, Haskins, I, I've seen some scouting reports out there that looked a little bizarre uh, talking about his mobility. Dwayne is not a mobile guy. No. Uh, in fact, Drew Locke has more mobility than Dwayne Haskins. Uh, but Haskins does have a pretty good arm. The ball does die on him a little bit deeper. Locke's got a bigger arm. Um, Haskins is just more refined as a passer. He's got better touch in the intermediate game. He's a little more accurate, a little more anticipatory. 
Um, you know, I've been working with Quincy AC, um, uh, you know, get re- refining his game. Um, you know, I, I think Haskins, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody he reminds me of, you know, if I had to put a, a comparison on Drew Locke, I would say that it's Derek Carr as a prospect. Now Carr's had some good years, had some bad years, but you know, I, he's, that's who he reminds me of tools wise and, and trying to find somebody that really, you know, that fits Haskins. I think it's more of Kirk Cousins. Uh, it's really kind of who I compare him to. Hmm. I, I get irritated at people that, you know, that compare that start saying he's mobile and stuff because he's not, but he does have good intermediate touch. He get himself in trouble with the deep ball and he'll throw, you know, he'll throw a pick or two um, that he shouldn't because he, he doesn't have the arm that he thinks he does. But, but overall he's a, he's a safe quarterback. And if you got a strong defense and run game, he can win you football games. Something that a friend of the pod, John Ledger, had brought up is especially comparing Drew Locke to Dwayne Haskins is the and Joe Goodberry last last week when he was on the pod, the risk aversion of Haskins compared to the the gunslinger mentality of Locke. Do you see a guy who's maybe risk averse to a fault when it comes to Haskins tape, like he's leaving stuff on the field, almost that Alex, not Alex Smith syndrome, but you know that kind of thing where there's plays down the field that he should be trying to hit that he just isn't pulling the trigger on. Uh, you know, there's some of that. I, you know, I, I think, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think his coaches, um, you know, kind of kept him playing within himself because they knew that, you know, they could be successful that way. I think if he tries to start uncorking it in the league, he's going to be in trouble. Haskins doesn't have an elite arm. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't want to see him trying to pat Mahomes his way down the field, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm always reminded of that scene from, uh, what's that movie? Hitch. Hitch, where, uh, you know, uh, Kevin James starts doing the crazy dancing and, and Will Smith smacks him on the face a couple times and says no and gives him the elbow thing. And like, this is your move right here. You're here. Between 10 and 2, this is your home. And that's what a coach needs to do to Dwayne Haskins. This is your home right here. You know, I, I don't need you trying to make trying to throw YOLO balls all over the field. I need you to hit the guy in between 11 and 20 yards, and that's, that's, your, that's your home right there. For sure, for sure. Now, speaking about some YOLO balls, got to talk about the Heisman winner, the guy, the maybe baseball player, maybe football player. Patrick or uh, Kyler Murray, not Patrick Mahomes, Kyler Murray. And curious, gun to your head right now. Now I'm not asking for breaking news, but if you had a gut feeling, is it going to be football or baseball, or do you just want to want to abstain from that one? I think he's going to go baseball. I don't. Baseball. I think he is. I just you know, talking to everybody down at Mobile that I talked to, the league is significantly lower on him than the fans of media are. Um, there were a couple teams that, that were kind of talking positively about him, but most teams said the same thing. It's it's funny to me because it's the same comments they used to say about Johnny Manziel. Is that, yeah, he'll probably go in the first round, but it won't be us taking him. And when everybody starts to say that, that means, well, we're hearing you know through media that, that people like him, but the reality is we don't. And so you know, it, it's tough to – if you're a general manager in the NFL, you're only going to get one shot at that most likely. Um, and it's tough as a general manager. Are you going to be the guy who pushes all his chips to the table on a guy who's five foot nine, 185 pounds, uh, is basically the size of Cole Beasley, uh, and has other options? You know, it may not even sign with you if you burn a first round draft pick on. It may not even sign with you. May go to baseball. Uh, is you know, as a general manager, that could set your team back forever. So, uh, you know, I don't know that it's going to be tough for general managers to do that. And you know, the unique part of this is, is that the lower he slips, the worse it gets for Murray. Uh, it not, it's not more likely that somebody would take a shot. It's less likely because once you hit about pick 20, the money from baseball and football evens out. And so now, you know, it would, it, with the first 20 picks in, in football, you have the advantage of the general manager saying, well, we've got more money for you. Now you don't have that advantage. So are you burning a late first or an early second on a guy who may not even sign with you and you don't get to recoup the pick? Might as well just throw the pick away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
switching a little bit just to his game on the field, what where would you rank him in this class if you were just on football skills alone, not taking into account the MLB thing and all the bad interviews and things like that? Just play on the field. Where would you rank him? Oh, man, that's so tough. Um, you know, he would probably be QB4 for me in this class. I think Daniel Jones has more upside. He's Daniel Jones is further from being ready than Kyler Murray. You can drop Kyler out there pretty early, but um, Jones is further from being ready. But I think Jones has more upside in the end, uh, plus that size. I mean, I, again, I, I'm, I'm just not dropping a guy the size that – I'm not dropping a guy that's smaller than me, to be honest. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 5'10", 180 pounds. And, you know, I used to, I, I was a 4'6", guy. And so, um, you know, I, I understand Murray probably, you know, more athletic than I was, but I'm not, you know, being fast and being a quarterback is fun until you get caught. Uh, and then it's not. <laughs> and I can to that. And so it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, I look at him and, and you know, you, you got to rank everybody and all this kind of stuff. But, but in the end, the question really is, is would I take this guy or not? So, and if I wouldn't, what's the point of even ranking him, you know, where I'm going to put him because he's not a guy I'm going to take. Um, just, just based on those things, he's, you know, he's, he's five, nine, uh, and he weighs 35 pounds less than Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield. I mean, and we were talking about Baker being too small. So, uh, you know, I, I want to, inter- I want to, uh, audibly interject that. What is you doing meme right here? Yeah. How, did you watch his Dan Patrick interview? Uh, yeah, I did. And that was bizarre. He was trying to hedge what he was saying. I mean, he knows that he's trying to play both sides here and figure out what his options are and all that. But if you're going to go rep a company and do public interviews like that, you got to have better answers than, uh, I don't know, you know? Yeah. Well, especially, uh, I mean, there, there was no commitment to the combine, no commitment to a pro day. There, there's just, I mean, how are teams supposed to get to know this kid at all? Well, right. And that's, you know, that's kind of the thing is, um, you know, they're, they're going to get to know him. And, you know, there's some things about uh, his extended family. You know, his father's kind of a helicopter dad. Um, you know, they, his dad was actually sued by the Milwaukee Brewers for breach of contract, for backing out of a deal once, uh, you know, and that kind of stuff. There's some other things going on there that teams are uh, less enamored with that the media and the fans don't really know about. Is the Lamar ball bad? Um, I'm not going to say it's that bad. Okay, but it's not good. One thing they do that the teams, NFL teams, do not like is helicopter parents, and that's one of the reasons you're going to see um, uh, up there in Michigan, Shea Patterson next year go a lot lower than probably he should, is because uh, his dad is is entirely too close to the you know to the process, and teams just really don't like that. Hmm. Too many cooks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, is there any other quarterbacks? I know you mentioned Daniel Jones, but any mid round guys? that you could think the, the Broncos might be interested in or Bronco fans should be watching right now? Uh, well, Easton Stick, you know, he didn't really have a really good shrine game, but uh, we could practice there. But he's a guy that, you know, if you're looking for a developmental guy, he's a guy could be, uh, you know, could be in that mold. Um, you know, I thought Ryan Finley looked all right down here at the Senior Bowl. You know, the guy that surprised me the most, I think, was probably Jarrett Stidham out of Auburn. Go back and look at his tape, and it doesn't look like much. But uh, you got into practice, and he was a guy who commanded the huddle well. He got guys to play for him, and he, he looked pretty accurate down there. Ball, ball flew off his – excuse me, flew off his hand. So, uh, you know, those are some, those are some names to keep your eye on. Where do you think Stidham will end? I know we're still a ways out, but if you had a gun to your head, I've heard people say no round four. And then I've seen some people say in top of the second round, where do you think Stidham would end up going? If the draft was day, day three, early day three, early you day might three. see, you might see him slip into the third round, but he's probably one of those guys that gets taken the first 10 picks of the fourth round. I, there's not too many day two quarterbacks in this class. Um, uh, 
Clayton Thorson and Will Greer are probably the guys that, that go in the you know third round, maybe sneak into the second. For sure. And then you know, I saw you talking on Twitter the other day about the, the 2020 class. We don't need to obviously break down each guy. We got a whole another year of film. But what are your thoughts? You know, some people are really hedging their bets on oh, this isn't a good quarterback class. Maybe we got to tank for Tua next year or go after Jake Fromm. And I saw you heavenly going against that that narrative. I'm curious about your your overall thoughts on that, though. Well, you know, that's, that's teams don't look at that that like that. They just don't do that. They either you have your guy or you don't have your guy. Either there's a guy in this class. You don't just draft a guy and then turn around and draft a guy the next year. You know, you're making a three year investment if you draft a guy. So the idea that you know that you would draft a Kyler Murray and that if he flames out, you just draft you know Jake Fromm the next year. That, that's not really that's that's not something teams do. So, you know, next year's class, there's, there's some guys in there from, I'm, I'm not a big tool guy. I, he reminds me way too much of Tebow and he's got just a long release. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just, I don't throw to is not something I'm, I'm really on the, on the train for, but you know, uh, Herbert from there's, there's some guys in the, uh, in that class that look pretty good. But I think when it shakes out, you know, everybody talked about it being a stacked class. I, I think this class we had last year is actually going to be the, you know, the crowning crown jewel class of the next 10 years or so. Well, that's uh, that's interesting to hear. I'm going to throw out some other names for you. You tell me yay or nay, or just little thoughts on him. Uh, Jacob Eason over at Washington yeah. now, and Chris Peterson. He's an interesting one. Yeah, he's a yay. He's a yay. Uh, Nathan Stanley? Uh, also a yay with an asterisk. Brian Lewerke? No, that's a nay. Ellinger down in Texas? Um, undecided. I see flashes there, but I, I haven't, you know, he's not a guy that I've, I've you know, really kind of done one way or the other. I just, I see flashes and then I see, fla- you know, groans. For sure. And then another guy kind of under the radar, probably not so under the radar to you, but most people uh, love down at Utah State. He's really flashed when I've watched him. I like him a lot. Uh, that's the, that's your sleeper for next year. That's that's a big time sleeper. Keep your eye out there. He's He's got a future ahead of him if he can stay healthy. Yeah, he was a lot of fun to watch. All right. Well, that's it does like there. I think there's a a higher high end, uh, at least a high more variance at the top of next year's class, but that doesn't mean there's going to be the guy or multiple guys at the top. At least that's what it seems like right now, but a lot can change. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. I think there's, you know, there's, there's definitely room with some of these guys next year. It's just a question of, you know, who, who separates themselves and who, who becomes the guy, you know? All right. Well, uh, just one final question about the draft here hmm. beyond the quarterback position. Do you see the Broncos who, what other positions do you see the Broncos targeting early in the draft? Well, they're going to go after an inside linebacker. Um, they really talked quite a bit with Jermaine Pratt out of North Carolina State while they were down to in Mobile. Um, he kind of fits the mold. Vic Fangio's defense requires fast, uh, versatile inside linebackers, guys that can come downhill but could also go away from the ball in coverage and side to side. And the Broncos don't have that. Uh, Todd Davis is strictly a downhill guy. Uh, Josie Jewell is a run funnel guy. You know, you funnel the run to him, he'll make the tackle, but he's not very athletic. Uh, and neither one of those guys are guys you want dropping back in coverage, um, you know, unless you want a heart attack. So, uh, you know, I think I think that's what they're going to be doing. I think they they might make a run at a free agent linebacker. Brandon Marshall won't be back, uh, so they might make a run at a free agent guy. And you could see a guy like Pratt maybe on day two. Uh, I think Dalen Mack out of Texas A&M is a guy they're going to look at as an eventual successor to Damato Pecco. Um, you know, Shelby's a, a, a gap penetrator, but he's not much of a brick wall like Pecco is. Uh, and, the, and you really do kind of need that brick wall uh, zero tech nose uh, for Fangio. So we'll see, you know, we'll see how that goes, but I think he'll be in the consideration. Um, and then the corners, you know, there's, there's quite a few corners in this draft. I think that's, that's a direction they're going to look at as well. So, you know, you could see him bring in a strong safety like Adrian Amos, but they still need some help at the corners. So I, I suspect they'll, they'll look to that, uh, the draft, for the corner help as well. All right. Well, let, let's switch gears here just a little bit and get on to uh, 
I know the coaching staff has been in place here for a little bit. And you talked a little bit about Vic Fangio and the hiring of guys who are 60 plus and not equaling out too well, but what are some things about him that should have Bronco fans excited and what should have some things worried about that kind of hire? Because it is kind of a a Bronco zigged going old school coach when everybody else zagged anyone connected to Sean McVay. They've got uh, an aggressive, defensive-minded coach who fits the system that they want to run. They they want to run that kind of base thirty-four thing, and you know I, I think that he's um, he's a guy who could maybe get more out of the defense. Um, I, I felt like Vance and, and specifically Joe Woods really really didn't get what they could have out of the talent uh, that the Broncos have. Uh, they ran entirely too much cover zero. Uh, you know, you, you, Justin Simmons looks like a premier one high safety and you had him down to the nickel and man. Uh, it, you know, it was just, just poor defensive scheming. It looked like, and Vic's Vic's guy's been around, seen it all kind of thing. And, uh, you know, I think he'll, he'll look to maximize the players. Uh, there's a bit of concern that Fangio's defenses have kind of fallen off in year three or four. Uh, whether that's turnover to new players, you know, or injuries or just just random coincidence, I don't know. But pretty solid history of his defense has taken a nosedive in your three or four. So, you know, that that's going to be something to keep your eye on. Uh, overall, I think the hire was good. Um, I think it is important to zig when everybody else zags because it's a copycat league. And the more people do that one thing that keeps working, the less it works because people start to figure it out. So uh, if you're going in a different direction, I think that that helps. Uh, the Patriots have, have been notorious for that for the last decade and a half, being one step ahead of everybody. Everybody's spreading it out. All of a sudden, they're going two tight ends and running power, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So I think the Broncos made a good hire overall, pulling for Munchak to get the job. He got the O-line job, so I'm happy either way. Now, the the newest guy here, Rick Scangarello, you already kind of talked about him a little bit and what he brings to to the plate. I was kind of wondering, what are your thoughts on Scangarello coming from more of that zone blocking scheme under the the Shanahan's and stuff and Munchak being more of a power blocking scheme kind of guy. How how are they going to make that mesh? Well, I think that's what you I think you get the best of both worlds. Um I, I think it makes you scheme versatile. I think you get a, a coach that uh coaches that have success either way. I mean the, the the Steelers ran some split zone at times, especially with Le'Veon Bell. So it's not like Munchak doesn't have experience with zone blocking. He just, you know, they they, fa- they favor power. Um so I, I think that, you know, I think overall um you know, you're kind of getting a, a, a diversity of opinion in that room. You're getting a diversity of experience. And so, you know, you, you've got to come in and, and coach guys the best you can, but it gives you some some ideas and some things that you can maybe blend to make you, uh, you know, a better football team. If you have everybody on the same page, it's one thing, but uh, that means you're only good at one thing. And so, um, you know, I think the diversity of background is going to help and not hurt. Well, that's really good to hear then. What, what players do you think are going to benefit most from these new coaches being brought in? I think Garrett Bowles is going to be one of them. Probably Connor McGovern. I don't think Matt Paradis is going to be back. So if Jones gets the center job, that'll that'll be big for him. They like Billy Turner. I think young offensive lineman. You know, in in general, I, I don't really know that the you know the tight end position is going to that the young receivers will take a step forward. That'll be good. Uh, I think that you're going to see the the. Um, the inside linebacker group get upgraded uh, and that's really going to help. But I think you're going to see Justin Simmons kind of emerge and become uh, a borderline all pro as a one high safety. So I think that's really going to be the, uh, the key. He's going to get a lot more turnovers because he's going to be in a better position as a ball hawking safety rather than down there covering a guy in man, you know, covering a receiver in man like he was a lot last year. 
Now, now you said something there that really caught my attention. You said you don't think Matt Paradis will be back next year. I don't. Um, they they really lowballed him on the contract offer they gave him. He felt insulted by that, and I, I don't think that he's going to be there. Could be a change of heart. There could be a turnaround. Uh, but based on everything I'd heard uh, back in December, I'm I'm reasonably confident he won't be back, and he'll get a lot of money on the open market. Wow. Okay. Are there any other in-house guys that the Broncos are really wanting to bring back? Well, I mean, they want Wolf to take a little bit of a haircut uh, to come back and sign an extension so he can finish his career as a Bronco, and I think they'll get that worked out. Um, I think everybody knows Brandon Marshall and Darren Stewart are going to be gone. Uh, Ron Leary could be gone. Um, that's that's still kind of up in the air. Uh, Emmanuel could be traded. That doesn't necessarily happen, but that's one of those things that's been sniffed around a couple of different ways. Uh, and if the Niners are unable to get the Antonio Brown deal done, then Sanders would be their next target. You know, as far as that goes, and that kind of creates a natural trade-up scenario with Denver and San Fran for that you know, 10 to two and Emmanuel Sanders and other picks. So, you know, keep your eye on that. Mind blowing. I did not know about the Paradis thing. And I figured, you know, with Scangarello and maybe a little bit more zone and how consistent he's been. You know, I've always been of the mindset that it's important to bring back your own talent to show your locker room that if you do your job, you can be rewarded. But uh, that's a, uh, that's some new information. So I'm not sure, not quite sure how I feel about that. Yeah. Matt's a, he's a great guy. I just, you know, he felt a little insulted by that offer and I, I get that, you know, I understand that. So oh, yeah. That's going to be one of those scenarios where you know it, it bears watching if they can talk him into taking uh, what is probably a lesser deal than he deserves. Um, then you know, then that would be the scenario in which he comes back. Interesting. Uh, how do you feel about Sam Jones taking over that center position? You know, kind of a, a relative unknown late round draft pick. You know, just like Paradis has the tools to be a solid uh, center, specifically in his own blocking scheme. From what I remember watching him at Arizona State, but you know, a guy that you. Would you feel comfortable going with him day one next year? You know, at this point, no. But I'll tell you this, um, you know, Matt McChesney, who trains uh, a lot of these guys, uh, raves about him and says he just needs a chance. So uh, I don't want to be dismissive of him out of hand, but at the same time, I'd need to see it before I believe it kind of thing. Yeah. As somebody who's a scientist, absolutely. <laughs> Got to prove it. I was uh, I was born in St. Louis. That's the show me state. So oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm wearing my St. Louis Cardinals sweatshirt right now. Don't want to, <laughs> don't want to insult any Rockies fans out there. But uh, all right, what what about other guys like Jared Valdir, Demato Pecco, some of those guys, the the older guys? Are they planning on bringing any of those guys back? Well, it just depends. Um, if they're able to, if they need to make room to get a guy, like if that's what, it, if that's the difference between getting CJ Mosley in free agency and not, then they'll be gone. If you know, if CJ goes a different direction and you know whatever else, then then they'll bring them back and and go from there. Probably on reduced deals. Um, you know, they'd like to have some flexibility with guys like that, but they understand that they're one year guys. So um, that's that's one of those things where you know we all love Pecco. He's a fan favorite. He's a he's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. The man literally has no enemies anywhere ever. But, you know, when all said and done, you know, it comes down to a, a cost benefit analysis. You know, what are you getting for the cost? And uh, is that spot hindering um, a younger developmental guy? So uh, I think right now I would say Peco is probably safe. Um, and I would say Valdir's got a little up in the air because they like Billy Turner. But, you know, they could both those guys could be back and neither of them could be back. It's it's a fluid scenario. It's those like second, third tier type of free agents where you're not sure you don't have the money until you've already gotten those other guys signed off or if you've got them yourself. So totally makes sense. Yeah. Speaking of some of these other guys, you know, the the other free agents, you mentioned CJ Mosley. Are there any blue chippers, uh, perceived blue chippers that you would 
be expecting the Broncos to target maybe a guy like you named Adrian Amos earlier, uh, Landon Collins, maybe a Juwan James right tackle, any any of those type of upper tier free agents that you'd expect the Broncos who look like they're going to have a fair amount of cap to go after some of these guys. Yeah, I would say Mosley, Amos, and uh, James would be the the three, you know, kind of quote unquote names or blue chip guys that people would recognize. You know, there are going to be some other guys that they'll be looking at, you know, down trace guys from there. But I would say those are the big names to be on the lookout for. Well, awesome. Well, that's going to wrap up this episode of Building the Broncos, powered by Overtime Media. You can find Albright on Twitter. Make sure you do. He's got and one of my favorite Twitter follows. He does not back down. If you say something that he does not agree with or you know thinks it's BS, he will let you know, which I appreciate because sometimes I've had to be called. Sometimes I'm saying some BS, but you can follow him on Twitter at Albright NFL. You can follow, follow Carl on Twitter at Carl Dummer MHH, and you can follow myself also at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head on over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital, to find more of our content covering the Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at BTB Football Pod. For Carl Dumbler and Ben Albright, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. Ben, thank you very much for coming on here. I know you're, you're a very busy guy this time of year, and uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulties earlier, but appreciate you coming on and spending this past nearly an hour talking football with us. A lot of good insight. No, anytime, guys. Anytime. Yeah, thanks, man. Do you, do you have anything that you want to promote before you get out of here? I, I think you guys covered it. Uh, you can just tell them to unfollow me at Albright NFL. Block me back, guys. <laughs> Block them back. All right. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will see all you listeners soon. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.